You know, uh, the Sunday in between, I don't know how other pastors feel. I'm going to venture out and say that most pastors uh, feel uh, a little bit, it's a little bit awkward for us this Sunday because you're in between Christmas and New Year's. So you're like talking about Christmas, but yet you want to look to the New Year. So we're caught in between that Sunday message. And so there I am today, finding myself with Christmas was just yesterday and New Year's is next week. And so, uh, no, I don't think this year I'll be talking about Vision 2020. That has come and went. And uh, we don't want uh, 2021 or 2020 uh, repeated again. We definitely want a new year. Uh, so I, I think the message will be a little more hopeful this year. Uh, I, I preached on, in 2020, I preached on 2020 Vision. Then I realized uh, every, it really stunk for everybody. So I'm not going to do that again. Uh, we're just going to pray and believe the Lord for the best of the year, right? Amen. No, it's going to be good. But how many know, no matter what circumstance, what state we find ourselves in, God is with us. Amen. God is moving in the church. God is, is doing amazing things. And, um, you know, one of the things I just wanted to uh, preface the message today by saying just a couple things. And one of the things that's ama amazing to me is that when I um, look in the Bible, I see there's a story of really in Exodus, and it's about the story of Moses and the life of Moses. So I'm just going to preface the message by saying this, share this little thing this morning. And that is, you know, Moses and the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, and at one point they were thirsty and needed water. And God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to take your rod and strike the rock, and water would flow. And he did. And then a few years later, they find themselves in the same situation. And the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses didn't do that. The Bible says he disobeyed the Lord. And because of that, he wasn't able to go uh, into the promised land. And I think sometimes that we feel that when God does something different than when he did before, he might lose his integrity. That there, we don't really trust the Lord. That if he wants to do something a little different than the way he did it before. And how many know God does not lose his integrity if he wants to do something a little different than what he did before. Amen. And so I believe that God wants to do something different in our day, in our age. But we're still going to get to the same place. We're still going to see the same results of God's glory, God's uh, movement, whatever you want to talk about. How many, how many believe that just because God does something a little different in each generation, it's still God? He doesn't lose His integrity because He does things differently. And sometimes we just got to trust the process. We've got to trust God to do things the way He wants to do. And I can't help but feel that after all the talk in the last couple of years about shifts and change and, and uh, you know, a new tomorrow or, you know, the kind of the new normal and all those things. I can't help but feel, God, you're taking us in a way that you want to take us. And we need to say, Lord, that you're, you're gonna, we're going to trust you in where you're taking the church, where you're taking us. And, Lord, it's all going to be the same results. It's going to be all for your glory. Come on, God's gonna, will's going to be done. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the type of person that was stuck in the 400 years of silence. How many remember the, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence, as they call it, where God wasn't speaking, but man was. God wasn't writing, but man was. And we have some literature from that time, but it wasn't really what God ordained. It's called the 400 silent years. And when, during that time, they began to misinterpret the scriptures that a literal king would come, that a literal poli uh, political leader would come, and that he would lead the nation of Israel under, under the Roman rule, that he would, he would be the deliverer. And they began to misinterpret scripture. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I think I fear for this generation that we miss 
what God is doing in our time and our day because we misinterpret what God is doing. We, we miss the signs of what God is saying. And so as they were looking for a natural king, how many know the spiritual king came? Amen. The king of kings came. Amen. And so I don't, I don't want to be that type of person that stays and gets stuck in the 400 silent years where you're still waiting for God to do something. How many know the Messiah's already come? Jesus is the deliverer. He's already made a way to heaven. And He's called us into what He's already done. So I feel like some people just kind of get stuck into that. And they say, Lord, you're going to do it that way. And, and they, they tend to get stuck in years of silence. <laughs> and I don't want to be that type of person. How many can say... I want to be where God is. Amen. I want to do what God is doing in our generation, in our day. And I see some things happening in our culture, in our day. And I feel like it just speaks to, it's very relevant and very necessary what the Lord is saying. But I do believe that one of the things that was happening in the Old Testament and going into the New and the birth of Jesus was God was doing something different. God was doing something brand new. And, he want, and, and Jesus said, those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I feel like for our day and our generation, and if I could give a prophetic proclamation for the next year, I feel like we really need to hear what God's saying. And I feel like we really need to... I feel like we really need to say that God's doing something new. Now, you know, we're never going to get some things that we had in 2019. How many know that? It's just gone. It's just gone. Stop trying to make it happen. It's gone. We're just not going to get that. Amen. But how many know God can use us today, right now, in everything that we've been through, and He's going to say, you know what? I'm doing something new today. And I'm going to do something new in the church, and it's marvelous in my eyes. And so I say, God, okay, I want it to be marvelous in my eyes too. <laughs> Amen. So I don't want to get stuck there. But in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, I just want to just read the Scripture, preach a little bit. I, I, I don't even know... Uh, how this is going to go it, again it's in between Christmas and New Year's so you're like man shouldn't we hear a like prophetic you know thing about 2022 and how we're going to be blessed well we'll save that for next week but in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 one of the strong messages of the Bible and one of the things that I wanted to just bring today is I believe that we are to be one nation in Jesus Christ we're to be one people in Jesus. And the Bible emphasizes this. And I feel like this is something that we can see. See, the beauty of Christmas was the birth of Jesus. But the beauty of the birth of Jesus was that God made a way for all men to be saved. How many believe that with all your heart? Amen. How many believe that with all your heart? Amen. That the beauty of the birth of Jesus was not just this baby coming and it's awesome and great, but that the door to heaven was open to all men. That salvation, the grace of God, has appeared to all men. The door to God was open to all people, to all men. For God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's still my favorite scripture. Amen, by the way. But I just want to give you a truth this morning. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, and he's prophet, the prophet is, is prophesying and he's saying, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those in Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus was both a promise to Abraham, also he was a provision to all mankind. Jesus was not just a promise to the Jewish people. He was not just a savior to the Jewish people. He was a savior to the world. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he was baptizing in Jordan, and he saw Jesus for the first time, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God that what? Takes away the sins of the whole world. Not my neighborhood, not my community, not my race, not the Jewish culture, the whole world. 
Amen. And when the Apostle John saw Jesus and he had the revelation and Jesus showed him his revelation in the book of Revelation, it says that through the blood of Jesus, all nations could be saved. Aren't you glad that he didn't see just one race? He didn't see one culture, one timeline of people. He said every kindred, every tongue, every nation, every language, amen, came and was in heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus did not die for one race, for one culture. He died for the whole world. Every man can be saved. That is the vision. That is the mission that we are all about. That salvation is for everyone. Everyone. And sometimes we think that America, uh, we're just great because we live in America and that we are the new Israel. You know, we are the new God's blessed people, chosen, frozen. Let me tell you something. We're just by grace that we're saved through faith. Amen. We're not like anybody, better than anybody else. We need God. Amen. And we have got to humble ourselves and come to a place, say, God, we have got to come to a place where we're just, we just need you. And we need the Savior of the world. You're not just here to save America. You want to save the whole world. Amen? How many know that Jesus had a God-ordained right to die for the people of Israel? He had a God-ordained privilege. He was in the lineage of David. He could have ruled and reigned. He could have died as their Savior. And He could have left it at that, closed the book. It is finished. But how many know that's not God's plan? It was never God's plan. God's plan was never to save one race of people, one nation under the sun. It was that all men might be saved. He used a small, poor uh, Jewish girl in a small, no-name, insignificant town, in a small nation, and come on, at that time, so that His plan could come to pass. Thank God that He used, amen, the nation of Israel. Thank God. But you know, Jesus as a Jew never imposed Jewish culture as a way to be saved and come to the kingdom of God. He could have, but He didn't. Because He knew the greater plan that everyone needs to be saved. Every nation is, is, you know, the Bible talks about this in the book of Revelation. How many have ever read that? About the tree of life and, and the river of life coming from the tree of life. And it's what? Healing to the nations. All the branches and everything are the healing to the nations, not the destruction of the nations. God's plan is that all people in all nations are saved. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? And sometimes I think we just have this just tiny little bit of narcissism with America that we're the greatest nation, we're first in line. No, we're, we're one of many. We're one of thousands. We're, God loves, come on, there's nations that God is on His mind this morning. <laughs> Amen. And so I want to just let you know today that it's not one nation under God isn't good enough anymore. We need to think about one nation in Christ. Hello. One nation in Christ. One, one people in God. That's what we're... God brought us out. That's what the Bible says. That I have called you, separated you, and I brought you into one people group. One nation. One tribe. One language. That is the kingdom of God. I mean, no. God brought you out of your culture into His culture. So that you could go back to your culture and bring people into His culture. Amen. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And so sometimes I think we, need, we lose perspective of this and we, we need refreshed in this that we're one in Jesus Christ and that, that we need to strive for this, that this is our goal. That How many know that unity outside of the gospel can never be accomplished? 
Peace can come, but it's only temporary peace. Jesus said, the world gives you peace, but I give you peace not as the world gives you, because it's a temporary peace. But Jesus came to give us eternal peace. Aren't you glad? Amen. Aren't you? Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm so glad. I'm so glad about that. But in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, looking at the Scripture a little closer, it says it's a small thing for you to want to restore Israel back to the nation. In other words, you want to bring that nation back to where the tribes were and ceremonies and it was just the Levites and it was just the people, the priests. And he said, you know what? I'm blowing that out of the water right now. I'm changing all that and I'm reaching out to the Gentile world. The non-Jewish world, the non, come on, that world, and that's what he's writing here. He said, you know, it's a small thing for you to do that. Meaning that it's, it, it, mentally, it's small. It's too small for you to think about, it's just about Israel. I mean, know that. It, it's small. Don't think about it that way. You're thinking in a small way. You need to think bigger. It's, the, it's God's big plan. God's big, bigger plan was the whole world. It wasn't just the Levites. It wasn't just the priests. It wasn't just the nation of Israel. It was all the earth. Amen. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 17, Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for what? All nations. You know, I've heard that misinterpreted. That means all religions. No, it doesn't mean all religions. How I many you know God's never going to make His house a house of prayer for all religions? But He's made His house a house of prayer for all nations. Every nation that comes under the name of Jesus, every nation that is washed in the blood of Jesus is open. Come on, the house of God is open for those nations. Amen? How many, that's our heart cry. Amen. That's our heart. You know, and so many times we get to the place where it's just about us. It's us for no more. You know, that's it. It's just us and, and, and everybody else, you know, is second class. I want you to know there's over 7 billion people in the world and God loves every one of them just the same. Amen. Well, God loves me. Well, he loves 7 billion people too. God's called me. Well, he's called like a couple million people too. All right. Amen. Come on. And so his house is going to be called a house of prayer for what? All nations that come under the blood of Jesus. That's why I really don't promote that we can coexist together. I, I believe that we can live peacefully together, but not all religions are going to come in and God's going to observe all, all religions. How many know God only observes one religion? His religion. But how many know He's open for all people to come to Him? No matter what religion they are, no matter where they are in their lives, no matter what orientation they are, God says, come to my house that my house may be filled. Is that what Jesus told the disciples? He said, look, you, you didn't go to the, peop the people that were invited to this wedding. They didn't show up. So guess what now? I want you to go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come into my house that my house might be what? Filled. Filled with what? All people, all nations, all races, all languages. Come on, that's the beauty of community. Community isn't about you and who you like and everybody talks like you and thinks like you and dresses like you. That's not community. That's a neighborhood maybe. That's not a community. The community Jesus is talking about is oneness. Not sameness. Oneness. How many believe we're all one in Christ? Amen. So, you know, one of the things I like to th look at in the picture of Joseph in the coat of many colors Maybe some of you saw that. I believe I have a friend here that was, uh, I believe, starred in that in their, their high school play, Joseph in the Technicolor, no, not Technicolor, Dreamcoat. Uh, but how many remember that, right? But, you know, that was a picture of, you know, Israel. Jacob was, God the Father was giving his son, Joseph, a coat of many colors. 
All nations. I believe that the inheritance that Jesus got was people. Come on, somebody. That's why the Bible, the writer of Psalms said that, Amen, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. How many know Jesus inherited the nations? Jesus inherited all people. Amen. And so His heart is for all people. His heart is for all nations. That's why it's important that we're involved in, in every kind of outreach and mission work. Because it's part of the mission of Jesus. Amen. And so I believe that you know, one of the things I, I see and I understand that Jesus could have come and did a Jew thing. And he could have said, it's finished, I wrapped up, got your people saved, I'm all good, I fulfilled promises. Just those promises alone about Abraham would have been good enough. But you know how many know that wasn't God's plan? God's plan was bigger than Abraham. God's plan was bigger. I know there's a lot of people, amen, I've been in New York City and I've heard this one group of people that preach about being the true sons of Abraham and everybody else is infidels. I got it. But how many know it's a little bit bigger than that? A little bit bigger than that? Amen. And so Jesus could have come and did a Jew thing. And, and that's why I feel so compelled in my heart, in my life, that as a pastor, God didn't call me to do a white thing. It's easy for me to do that, but God didn't call me to do that. He didn't call somebody to do a Hispanic thing, a Filipino thing, a Korean thing, a black thing. He called us to do a nation thing. He called us to do a people thing. Amen. Every person, every, everybody. Come on. Amen. And Jesus could have said, you know what, I'm here to do a Jew thing. But he said, listen, I'm here to reach the Jews, but I'm also here for everybody. I mean the whole world. Amen. And that blew everybody's mind. That was revolutionary in itself. Just that statement that, you know, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations was revolutionary. But how many know it wasn't unusual for God because he pointed back to the scriptures from the very beginning. His intention was all men, all people. Amen. Amen. Getting saved. And so God never intended Jesus to do just a Jew thing. And he could have done that. And the Bible says that he came to his own, but his own received him not. Amen. And so the door was open for the Gentile world. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Aren't you glad for the bigger picture that God has? Amen. There's just so much more that God has than sometimes we limit Him in our, in our thinking. But honestly, I, I just honestly believe that. And I know that's offensive to a lot of Christians when I say that it's not about one nation under God anymore. That's not good enough. I, I just feel like we're, we're in a culture. I, I believe that we're in a, a kingdom culture that it's one nation in Christ. That's our goal. You know, one nation under God is really cool to have on your coin. But really, it, what's more significant and more powerful in my life is one nation in Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, this nation is going to fall. This nation could crumble. This nation could go to dust. Amen. But the Word of God would stay. The Kingdom of God would stay. Jesus Christ would still be Lord. And He'd still be saving people. Ooh, that's offensive. I'm getting into some territory there. Not good. I know people aren't going to vote for me next year. Anyways. Amen. But look at the book of Acts. Just, just look at the book of Acts. The power of a growing church was in the unity of believers. It was not in just, we're going to go get all the Jews and gather them, although that was part of God's plan. But the beauty was, is that all of a sudden the gospel started going to Roman citizens like Paul. Come on, people they hated, that was their enemy, and they were Roman citizens who they felt were the least likely to get saved. And then it went to the Samaritans and barbarians and the Greeks who they felt were so out of touch with God and so away from God and did not deserve the grace of God. Isn't that awesome? 
And yet here they are in church. And you've got Jews and Greeks singing beside each other, calling each other brother and sister. You've got Samaritans and Roman soldiers. You've got Pharisees. You've got Sadducees. You've got everybody taking the communion together and saying Jesus is Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad that, amen, we're under the umbrella of Jesus? Amen. I'm not under the umbrella of God we trust. I'm under the umbrella of Jesus. Amen. I'm under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm under the umbrella of the blood. Ask any historian, and if they're honest with you, they'll tell you that part of the fall of the Roman Empire that stood for over 500 years was the rise of Christianity. Anybody will tell you that. Anybody will, will admit that, that part of it was Christianity was growing in such a, such a way that, that they could not contain it anymore. How many know when Jesus said that one stone wouldn't be turned on top of one another and the destruction of Jerusalem, they thought Christianity was dead. But how many know God had another plan? God used on people and the apostles and he sent them to Asia and India and he sent them across the waters and they went up to Italy and, 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 and modern day Europe. Amen. Because God had a greater plan. Amen. People of the earth. And so I believe that because the gospel was really going beyond the Jewish borders and reaching every nation, this was the fall of this empire. And many people think, well, you know, that, that stopped Christianity, but you know, it really just helped fertilize Christianity. I mean, no persecution helps fertilize Christianity. Yes, it does. But one of the things I want to just show you real quick is in Paul's testimony and mission. In Acts chapter 13, verses 47, he says, giving his testimony about how the Lord met him on that road to Damascus. And, and he was, uh, had the, the death warrant to many Christians in his hand. And he, was, he was on mission to kill many more Christians and, and wipe out Christianity. In Acts 13, 47, he said that Jesus had spoke to him. And he said, for this is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That was God's plan. Later on, he said that this was his mission in Acts chapter 26, verse 23, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. And so the covenant of the New Testament really is through the blood of Jesus that we're one in Christ. That is totally revolutionary at that day and that time, but it was part of God's plan. I'm so glad that kingdom culture really doesn't separate us by class, by race, by language, by inherited situations. Aren't you glad that the kingdom of God is about the grace of God? And the Bible says that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. And so, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul was writing, and I love this, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one, with one another, that in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Amen. And this is the unity that you saw in the book of Acts, and that's why Paul wrote about it, because it was such a strong unity. In Acts chapter 4, and we find places like Acts chapter 4 and Philippians 2, there's language in the Bible that talks like this. It says that all believers be of one heart and one mind. In Philippians it says that you need to make my, make my joy complete, Paul said, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. In Galatians chapter 3, 28, he goes on and he says this. He says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male nor female, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. Earlier he writes and he says that Christ is all and Christ is in all. Amen. How many believe that as long as Jesus is all, 
Amen. Then He'll be in us all. And then we'll be all one. Amen. And that's the order that He's giving. But notice what he, how He breaks this down. And He says, Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male nor female. And He says, one. And later on in another part, I believe it's in Colossians, He uses that you're neither Greeks or barbarians. There's neither male and female. And, any, any, uh, and back in that day, Rome considered anyone that was not a Roman citizen or outside of the nation of Roman Empire was considered a barbarian. Uh, note Attila the Hun. That was one of the most famous. But, and he says that there's none of that anymore. We don't go by that anymore. And he says that you're all one in Christ Jesus. And notice that when he's talking about this, he specifically, I believe, addresses this because one of the things that in the Jewish culture and that came up through the Pharisees and the, uh, the Pharisaical law and rules, where there were these laws and these social rules and codes for each class of person, people. So in other words, you had Jews and they had their own social codes and their own rules and their own laws that they made about Jews and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. And then also about Gentiles. Well, the Gentiles, they, they, you know, they couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. You couldn't talk to this one. You couldn't touch that one. You couldn't go in this neighborhood. And there's all kinds of these social codes that they had for male and female and the way that they viewed males at that day and the way they viewed females at that time and the way that they viewed uh, enslaved people and free people. And we see that all through our history that wasn't good. It was all these social rules and codes that were, were oppressive. And he's addressing this and he's saying, look, there's none of that anymore. There's none of that anymore. It's all gone. It's all gone. All the titles, all the roles, all the social codes that you have, that's all gone. You're all one in Jesus Christ. Think about it. Why? Because just look at the Pharisees alone. They had these laws and these codes about people who were sick. You weren't allowed to get near a leper. You weren't, don't touch them. You couldn't be near. You, you, you get their cooties. You would get their badness. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't be seen around. The, don't go at a leper colony. You're, you're going to get there. You know, come on. You couldn't do it. Anybody that was sick, you were not allowed to touch them. You were not allowed to be with them. And yet Jesus laid hands on the lepers. He had people touching him. He had people all over him. And it was unacceptable. He broke all kinds of social codes. Why? Because he was about the mission of God, which is all people need to hear the gospel. Amen. Every person deserved the love of God. Amen. They, you know, the, the codes and the laws about people that were in sin. That were in adultery especially. Look at the woman that was in adultery. Stone her. Kill her. Get rid of her. Stuff, snuff it out. How many know it, we, we need to be about no sin? How many knew, but but they, were, they went beyond that. And they were saying that this woman, and especially the woman, that the way that they felt about women, the way that they felt about sin, Jesus came and did away with a lot of that self-proclaimed righteousness. And he said, listen, I'm going to show you a bigger picture here. And that is the love and grace of God. Man, that makes people uncomfortable. I said that makes people uncomfortable. Because a lot of times we, we, we look at people and say, we, you know, you're not welcome in the church. You're not welcome in our community, our, our circles because of your sickness, because of your sin, because of your social class, because of your maybe your spiritual you know, lineage or whatever. That's, that's the way they judge people. Social order. You were socially lower. The Samaritans were socially lower. And they had codes about that. And they had rules about that. And they had laws about that. But aren't you glad that Jesus stepped over and crushed every social code that was not of God, every rule, every law that was not of the Father's heart? 
Jesus, amen, abolished it, did away with it, destroyed it at the cross. That through the blood we can become one. Spiritually separated. The Gentiles, they were spiritually separated. They could never come to God. They would always be cut off, forever cut off from God. How many know Jesus did away with that? Jesus said, I'm the bridge builder. You have in your rules and your laws and your social codes that these people will never make it. But I've got something else. I've got a law called the, the law of the Spirit. I've got something else called the law of God, the love of God. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a bridge builder between the Jews and the Gentiles and all men and God. Amen. And so the unclean and the unreligious, all these people, they had these social codes for. But Jesus said, there's none of that in Christ Jesus. You're all one. Amen. Now, I want you to just think for a moment. I'm not talking about one religion, all religions coming under the banner of Christianity. and we all. No, I'm talking about one in Jesus Christ. Those who name the name of Jesus. Those who receive His blood for the forgiveness of sins. Let's be clear on that this morning. Amen? Come on. Amen? How many believe that all people are welcome? And all people are to be called to save? And all people need to come to repentance? All people need to be washed in the blood of Jesus? Amen? But how many know we, we can't stop and let just at that door where we stop at these social codes and these, these laws that we make up and these rules that we have for other people that are different than us, that don't like us, that are kind of separate and everything. How many know we need to say, come and receive? Amen. Come and, and hear about Jesus Christ. I hope that's okay. Jesus really came to make us one. But it's our interpretation of that that hinders us. It's our interpretation of what oneness is and 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 we think oneness is sameness and if you're not oneness then you're then you're out then you're then you're not counted then you then you're not then you're lower then, then come on how many know that's not Jesus Christ at all it's not Jesus Christ at all so where do we really go from here and I had to ask myself that question because I got fired up about that first scripture and then I was like okay where do I go from here <laughs> But we really did. And I believe that. I like what somebody said recently. I heard a podcast and they said, we need more than a protest. We need a plan. And I believe that as the church and the Christian, as a Christian, that I need to have the plan of God in my heart about how I'm going to live this out in my culture, in my day, and in this community. Amen. And I believe that we really just need more of a solution, not blaming others, blaming things. We need a solution. We need a plan. And God gives us that plan. And here's part of that plan that God gives us. And I'm going to share quickly three things with you. But one of the things I just wanted to say, first of all, is that we are one in Christ already. I said we are one in Christ already. The day, how many remember the day you got saved? I remember the day you got saved, how old you were, where you were. How many days you got baptized? That was an awesome day. I remember that day. Well, did you know that that, that day you were one in Christ with every other believer? That, you became one instantly. You're one. It's like the day my wife and I got married, that we were one. That day, right there. It was like 3-something, maybe 3.30. I don't know what it was. But we were one. We became one. It was that day. And the day that we got saved, we become one in Christ. And so as Christians, we don't have to create unity. We just need to walk in it. We have unity in Christ. We are one in Him. We have peace through Jesus. We've just got to walk in it. So we don't need to create unity. Our world is searching for this. Our world is looking for a way to create unity among races and people. And How many know we don't have to create it in Christ? We have it in Christ. We just need to walk in it. Jesus is our unity. He is the thing that unifies us. He's the one that brings us together 
Amen. And so because of him, we have unity. So I think that's important to start with. Let me give you three things. Number one, I believe God has a solution already, and that is through the gospel. The Bible refers to the gospel as the gospel of peace. How many of you have read that? I thought that when you preach the gospel in a neighborhood, people will stop shooting each other. Not necessarily what it means, although that happens. <laughs> but it's the gospel of peace, meaning that it breaks down every wall of partition between us. It's the gospel of peace. It's the people that are oppressed and, and that are uh, by sin and broken and under the oppression of sin can be free in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is that you can find a family. You can find a, 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 really a family to belong to that's eternal, that's lasting, that's loving. Amen? That's spiritual. That is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is, yes, it is that you were enemies of God, that through Jesus you received peace. Come on. The Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. But the gospel of peace that we preach to our neighbors, to our family, is the gospel that we're one in Jesus Christ. That you can lay down your hate, you can lay down your anger, you can lay down your prejudice, you can lay down all your preferences... And you're one in Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace. So it's really the gospel. And so I really feel like this, this, this theme this morning grabbed my heart that we need to be a gospel-centered church and a gospel-focused Christian. That's what it's about. We need to be a gospel-centered church. You know, if our churches were gospel-centered, we'd really see amazing things in our cities. It, that's our dream here at our church and our, really as, as a leadership team. We want to be a gospel-centered church. You know, you can be, you can be worship-centered, you can be this, you can be that, you can be focused, you can have a drama, you can do all those things, but ultimately we've got to be gospel-centered. And that our heart is, and our prayer is that we as a people group, that we as a church, a body here, just our little community here on Pine Street, that we become gospel-focused. Because when we're gospel-focused, then we begin to be other believer-focused. Other church-focused. Uh-oh, I'm getting into territory now. Come on. I mean, aren't you glad that we're not the only ones that love Jesus? We're not the only ones in the city that are preaching the gospel. There are people that are crying out to God for revival. There are good churches, great pastors. I've talked to a few this week. They're amazing, amazing Christians in the city. We're just part of it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Can I, I got to hear a better amen on that one. Amen. We're part of a larger community, of a larger group of people in this city. Why? Because we're one in Christ. Oh, you don't go to my church? Okay. All right. Oh, you don't believe in that? Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Good luck on Judgment Day. Right? I mean, no, we can say we're one in Christ. And that's a gospel-focused Christian. They understand and realize the, 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 really the power of, of the unity that we have in Christ, the community that we're a part of in Jesus Christ. And so without the gospel being central, the church really becomes a man-centered social club based on a religion. That's all it is. And so the gospel, when I said before, is really this revolutionary change that we, th it's more than a, it's just a change that we think it is. And when we become more gospel-centered and more gospel-focused, and people have said, well, we're, we're, I've said that, we're, we're a gospel, a full gospel church. I've said that before. And that simply means we believe in the, all the Bible. That means we believe in the whole gospel. We don't leave any out. We don't cut it up or shred it or leave any out or just live apart. How many know we believe in the whole counsel of God? We believe in the whole gospel. Well, if we've got to believe in the whole gospel, we've got to believe that Jesus is for everyone. 
And Jesus calls us to everyone. Let me not get on that one. But really, as we look at Paul, one of the things, I, I've heard Christians preach Romans 10 a little different before. You know, he said, to the Jew I became a Jew, to, the, to this I became this and this and this, and I became this that I may win some. That's what he said at the end. You know, his ultimate focus was the gospel. And so Paul used his nationality. He was a Roman citizen. He, he did not, I, I'm so glad he didn't throw it away. And when he stood before the Roman emperors and the counselors and governors, he said, I'm a Roman citizen here. You need to, I have my citizenship in Rome, so I need to be treated like a Roman. <laughs> and so he was heard. He wasn't, you know, he, he was beat a couple times, but he was heard. That's just the way Romans rolled. If you were their friends, they beat you. All right. But he used his nationality only when it served the purpose of the gospel for the fervence, a furtherance of the gospel. He only used his nationality when it really was about the gospel. Amen? And so I, I love that. And so the, for, the second thing we need to do is make unity a priority. So we just need to, number one, we need to you know, know that God has a solution. And number two, we need to make unity a priority. And I, I feel like this next year, I mean, you know, we do this all the time, what I'm going to do. Uh, I think number one on the list is not spend as much, or maybe it's lose weight. I can't remember which one's first. But it's really, you know, we think about that. This, but my personal, you know, one of my personal things is said, Lord, I've got to work harder on this this year. I really need to work harder building relationships with pastors in the city. I mean, that's just me. I, I've got to do that. And so I've been trying to call people and everybody in the East End. I've, in the last couple of years, we've had coffee together. And um, when I was serving the other day at um, one of the local um, uh, outreach centers, uh, I went, was working with two uh, older women. And one of them was from one church. One was from the other. And we had so much in common. I couldn't believe it. You know, we knew people from her church. And she knew people from our church. And I knew her pastor. And said, so, yeah, we're, we're due to have coffee soon. I'm going to call them. And uh, that's my goal. I feel like I really, really want to just be closer to a lot of the pastors. We want to pray for them in a, in a greater way. We really want to stand by them. Um, I know I talked to several pastors this last year, and just they really, just like everybody else, just went really struggled through COVID. And, and uh, you know, one of my questions was, how can we pray effectively for your church? How many know that needs to be a goal of ours? Amen. As a local body, that needs to be a goal. Oh, we wouldn't talk that. Well, good luck. Amen. We're going we're gonna to have, and I, I really would love to see some of the local pastors sharing here more and, and doing things and uh, come on and, and doing a lot of events with us. And, and uh, so I'm excited about that. Anyways, short little note. Make unity a priority. And I want just, I thought about something the other day. I thought about priority and making unity a priority. Now, just think about if I talk, talk to you this morning and I explain to you or, and I just talk to you about this man and, and let's say you know, he got married and let me, let me just say I've painted this picture. What would you think of this? If I painted this picture of a man who, who got married and um, he really came to me and he said, you know, uh, I really don't want to make loving my wife a priority. I, don't, I think that's second. I think taking care of her, nurturing her and, and, and you know, protecting her, I think that's second. I think that's secondary. What's a priority is making money. And so that if she has a six-figure, you know, and I have, and we can make money, and we can buy a lot of things, that's my priority. What if he came and he said, you know, I, I don't really feel like, you know, just really taking care of her and, and, and complimenting her and building her up and making her, giving her value. I don't, I don't think that's really important. I think that's kind of third on the list. But uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I really want to, uh, you know, kind of work on getting a job and I can get some tax breaks. And if we have a business, go into business together, that's our goal. How many of you can say, there's a little dysfunction going on in that house? 
If a man says, I don't put priority on loving my wife, I put priority on something else in my marriage, how many know there's going to be problems in that marriage? How many we can almost guarantee it? How many would lift your hand and say, I almost guarantee it, right? If I put priority on other things than loving his wife. And so I think sometimes as a church, we've done that. We put maybe the gospel and maybe the lost, and we put some of the things that were in Jesus' heart, we put that on the back shelf, and we say, well, that's not really a priority. Worship is a priority. That's really important. If we can really do that and really get a good sound, and if we can have a great show on Sunday, that's important. How many know dysfunction will come to that house? Because it's not the main priority. And what needs to be the main priority in our lives and on our churches is that we have a gospel-centered church. Amen, right? And, and it's, that's what's important. What's important is that we are believing in the gospel, sharing the gospel, and living out the gospel. Now, for many of you, the gospel may be Jesus died, rose again, came, Roman chapter 5, right? For a lot of you, that's just it. But how many of the gospel is the entire message of God Almighty? Amen. It's everything that God represents and everything that God would speak to us and has for us and wants us to do that's wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I believe that's important. How many believe that's important? I like what Dr. Tony Evans said. He said that until the church returns to God, the nation could never turn to God. The decay and division of our culture is, at its core, a spiritual issue. And since the cause is a spiritual in nature, then the cure must be spiritual in nature as well. And so God has made it clear that, the only, uh, that only through the church functioning as in biblical unity that the world will see the uniqueness of Christ and His people will experience the full manifestation of His glory. I love that, what he said. And I believe that. Because really, until the church is practicing unity, we're not going to see any type of unity. Now, let me just say this, is that the third thing is, is that we need to practice unity. So don't just make unity a priority, but practice unity. You know, one of the things we want to do is we want to see that it's, we want this Christian government. And it's not about having a Christian government, people. It's about having Christianity in your heart. It's about having Jesus in your heart. Let's just keep that in mind. Amen. Because how many know you can vote for someone that says they're a Christian, but they live like the devil, and we're going to be back where we were four years ago, right? It has nothing to do with that. I think we're too caught up in having a Christian government. I'm really stepping on toes right now. But it's not that. It's about having Christ in people's hearts. Because ultimately, you can have a little sign in your yard. That's great. I appreciate it. I love it. That says racism is not, has, does not have a poem here. And that's great. But how many know it's more than just having a little sign in your yard? There's action that needs to take place. There's more than just having a little sign. There's a message that you need to be living out of the unity that we have in Christ. Amen? Please get the sign. That's important. But living it out is even more. Practice unity. Practice unity. And there's that action. And that action part is what the Bible calls, and I need to run through this and wrap this up, but the Bible talks about that we need to, how many believe that we need to fight for what's right? I, I think there's no, no question there. But let me tell you, say, more than just kind of fighting for what's right, you've got to fight the right way. Because I believe there's a lot of Christians trying to fight for what's right, but they're fighting in the wrong way. And they're going in the wrong direction with their fight. Amen? And the, Paul talks about this, and he really talks about striving for unity and striving for peace and protecting it and guarding it. That's why he was so much against gossip and slander and backbiting, because he said you're destroying the fabric of unity. 
Amen? You're really causing really bad things to happen. So there is a fight, but we've got to fight the right way. We've got to practice unity. One of the things that I realized is that COVID kind of revealed some things that uh, where God wants us to be. And I, I believe that. I believe that we've been through things in the last two years. It will be two years. And, um, but you know what? It revealed a, a kind of a, 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 a kind of a condition. And it really was it revealed a lot of isolation. And it created a lot of isolation. Amen. Come on, somebody. It created some isolation. It revealed it and created it. And, uh, but, you know, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus calls us out of darkness and isolation. And I like what Dr. Doug Loken said. And I was listening to a podcast recently from him. Great guy. And he said that the message of the gospel is not isolation. It's invitation. And one of the things you have to realize is that the devil wants disunity. And he wants us to be separate. Isn't what Jesus told told uh, uh, Peter, he said, the devil wants you, desires you to sift you, to separate you like we, to separate you from the will of God, to separate you from God's call. And so is a, a kind of our American culture. Let's not get isolated. Let's not get isolated. Let, let's say, God, you want us to get to a place where we're not this, this, this culture of isolation, but we're a culture of invitation. And that's what Jesus offers, an invitation to people, everyone. He offers this invitation. I'm so thankful for the, that God didn't say, you know what, I'm only going to offer an invitation to the Jews. I'm only going to offer an invitation for a limited time only, for 150 years only. At this open time, I'm going to offer an invitation for uh, Americans or whatever. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm so glad for that. I'm finishing. It's going to be good. Anything really that I thought about this and I thought about some of the things that we've been through, that one of the things that we have to understand, I've heard a lot of kind of talk and, you know, things over social media is that as a Christian, because I'm fighting the right way for unity and I'm living it out, one of the things I just really feel is that anything that divides me from the gospel from other people is wrong. Can I say it one more time? Anything that divides us from the gospel is wrong. Anything anything. Well, you don't know how I feel politically. I don't care. Anything that separates you. In fact, your political views are, are lame. Really, they really are. All of us. Because the gospel is more important. The gospel is that priority. The gospel of Jesus, the unity that we have in Christ, that's the most important thing. And so before you burn all kinds of bridges and you, and you, and you really kind of leave a, 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 a kind of a, a trail of bodies in your wake, you know, over your opinion on social media, you need to think about, is this for unity? Is this about peace in the body of Christ? Is this for the unity that's in Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. And so, you know, one of the things I realize is that there's so many things I've heard people say that we're so divided. The church is more divided than ever. Then we need to wake up and we need to correct that. And we need to say, OK, if that's if we feel that we're divided. But nothing should divide us. Nothing should keep us from the gospel. Nothing should ever get to the place where we say, well, we don't fellowship with that church because they're of uh, something else or whatever. Or I don't want to go and submit to that pastor because of this race and this language barrier or whatever. Amen. How many know we just can't let anything separate us and divide us from the gospel? That's just got to be our heart. One of the things that Paul had to address here that the church started baptizing and they said, well, I'm of Paul because Paul baptized me. I'm of Apollos because Paul has baptized me and I'm his disciple. And one of the things he asked, he says, is Christ divided? Is Jesus, can you break Jesus up into pieces? 
Can you separate him into these little bite-sized pieces and these little divided groups? Certainly not. Absolutely not, Paul said. Christ is never going to be divided. I mean, you know, there's one Lord, there's one Spirit, there's one baptism. Come on, there's one faith. And we're all coming in to the unity of that faith. That's what my job is as a pastor, that we all come into the unity of the faith. No, it's to teach me how to prophesy. No, it's to teach you to get along with other people. It's to teach you to love people that don't look like you and feel like you and understand like you and think like you and believe like you. That's what we're all about. Coming into the unity of the faith. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That's what it's all about, isn't it? And so I, I believe that. And we know that life is messy. We know that discipleship and relationships get messy. And we know that. We, we understand it. And sometimes we, we, you know, there's a strain on these relationships in the church. And we end up hurting each other and, and destroying the unity. That we, we, you know, but, but, but we have to understand that more we've got to fight for it. And we've got to live it out. We've got to practice it. No matter what we do, we can't ever say that I'm, I'm okay with being broken among my Christian brothers and sisters. I'm okay with that. I'm okay that I ignore them. I'm okay with that they ignore me. We can't be okay with that. We've got to strive for peace. The Bible says that we strive for it. We make every effort. We work. We, we humble ourselves. We build relationships. We strive for it. More than anything, we want to be one in Jesus Christ. How many believe that today? Amen. Amen. Can you stand on your feet today? You know, you know, just like when Jesus came, we talked about the birth of Jesus. Again, I'm going back and forth between Christmas and New Year's. The birth of Jesus Christ had brought peace. We know that. The angels declared it. Jesus himself, when he's old enough, declared it, that he brought peace to the earth. But you know, just as Jesus brought peace to the world, I do believe that Christians are to bring peace to the world. But it's not the way that the world is looking for the peace of God. It's not the way that they want it. It's not the way that it's through Jesus Christ. That the only way that you're going to find peace, the only way that you're going to find true unity and love and, and is in Christ. It's only in Jesus Christ. And I want you to examine your heart today because th this is a very important part of history that we're playing right now. There's a very, very, uh, I never saw it until just recently, that there is a change that's happening. And there is a, a kind of a, a, a structural change that's going on in our nation and in the church. And God wants us to respond accordingly. How many believe that with all your heart? Well, I'm just going to strike the rock like I did before. Not going to happen. God's saying it's time to do something different. God's speaking to the church. You're going to move, you're going to look different. You're going to look different. Amen. And I'm going to be okay with that. How many know I'm going to be okay with that? Because we're going to get the same results. You can have different methods. You can have different ways. You, you, know, uh, it, you know, worship in the, in the, in the 70s, uh, you know, as a kid, it just doesn't sound like it did today. But that doesn't mean that it's any less powerful, any less anointed today, any less blessed of God. Amen. One person's clapping. Everybody else needs to be excited. No, I'm just kidding. I love Psalms 29, 11. The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. And that's not just, ah, oh, I can rest today. I can take a, you know, mental health day today. No. What that is, is the peace through Jesus Christ. We're not at war. We're not at division. We're not at separation. We're not at anger. We're not at a point of fighting. We're at a point of peace. And I believe that as Christians in, in our area, in our community, in our city, or whatever you want to say, I believe that we need to work a little bit harder. 
together. We've done a lot of things over the years, and, you know, we've worked with churches in the city. We just pray for them. We love them. You know, I've never been that way, but I feel like that God's saying you need to kick it up a notch. I don't know what that means. I have no idea. That could be look like a carnival. I don't know. I'm all for funnel cakes and Jesus. I'm, I'm all about preaching the gospel with funnel cakes, but that could be street ministry and tent meeting. I don't know what it means, but I just know that we need to strive for peace a little bit more so that the world can truly see Jesus Christ through the church. That's really God's intention, isn't it? That he needed a people. He needed a people group. He had Jesus on the earth, his son. And when Jesus left, he said, now it's up to you. Now you're God's people in the earth. Now you're God's instruments. Now you're the message. Now it's up to you to fulfill the mission of what God's greater plan was. And it wasn't just to bring the Jews, the people of God to him. It was to bring all men to Jesus Christ. That's our heart today is, is that all men will hear God, the gospel. That I'll never be limited and say, you know what? I don't like that person. I don't agree with him. I don't like their skin color. I don't, I don't like any. I don't never come to that place. But all men deserve the love of God to hear the gospel. Everybody needs it. Who am I to say that they don't need it? That I can't give it? They don't deserve it? I mean, I don't want to be that way. I want to be like Jesus Christ who touched the leper who went to those and said, you're forgiven, your sins are forgiven, who allowed people to touch him who were unclean and were around people who were kind of spiritually depraved and, and socially lower and, and who were considered outcasts in this society. Jesus Christ went to them because the gospel is about all men coming to the Lord. Amen. Let me read one scripture we'll pray. John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus said, this is what it's about. I in them and you in me so that they may, the world, might be brought to complete unity of the church that the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even from from the very beginning that's what it's about so it's about this prayer that Jesus had this life that Jesus led the mission that we're about and this unity that comes through Jesus Christ I guess my prayer and my heart today is for our church that we would be closer as a people group and then as a city group and then as a state that we you know just kind of let it grow here in this, this church, and I'm just going to be honest with you, when COVID hit and we had to do the, a lot of things we did, there's some people I didn't see for 12 weeks, 18 weeks, 18 months, you know, but my heart was, is that it wasn't about me, oh, we pay you to do that, it wasn't about me or even the elders calling people, visiting people, making meals for people, praying for people, visiting people, it was all of us as the body of Christ come into unity and we have that one spirit, that one mind, that one heart that we would care for one another and love each other the way Jesus Christ loves us. And that's my prayer this year that as a church, first of all, as a body right here, whether you're a member or not and you took the growth class or not, but you're attending whatever you're doing, amen, that we come into a closer unity together. That doesn't mean we know everybody's business. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we're all up in everybody's stuff. That just simply means that every one of us love each other the way Jesus Christ loves us. And that we don't just say, well, you know, it's just my aisle here. I'm just, I'm just going, this is my aisle. This is, my, this is all I can handle. Listen, the Lord's given you the love of God. You can handle a lot. Amen. We do have a host team. We have a prayer team. We have elders. But that doesn't stop us from being one in Christ. That doesn't stop us from loving each other. And so my prayer is that as a church, we would show more love for one another. We would show that unity and move in that unity and be concerned about one another and pray for one another and understand each other's need before we even speak it and call the office and have a prayer need. 
other people would know your need. Come on, there's just that. I hope everybody understands that, making that clear, that I feel like that's important so that through the city we can grow and say, you know what, we're believers and, and we've got to come together right now. We, we want the world to come together, but the world doesn't know how to come together because they don't have a union that joins them. But we have something that joins us together. That's why we can come together. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you today that, Lord, you're not just, Lord, you're doing, doing something more than, than just uh, what you did before. You're doing it through a different way and a different method, Lord. You're bringing us together as a church in a different way. And and for some of us, Lord, it's not the the just fighting for what's right. It's fighting the right way, standing for peace and unity in the church and loving other Christians and loving other people. Lord, that's what it's about. So we pray today that you would strengthen our heart. And as we search our hearts, you would, Lord, give your, Lord, just your grace is there for us to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm sorry. I, Lord, I, I, I just, I haven't been loving others. I've just been in my own little isolated group. And Lord, I want to move out of that. I want to bust out of that. Help me to see other people's needs in my church, in my neighborhood, in my street, in my city. Lord, in the grocery store, strangers. I just, I need to be more like Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw all men to you. That they would hear the gospel, believe in the gospel, and be saved today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We give you glory. Amen and amen. Amen. If you have a need today, we want to invite you to come get prayer. Amen. God bless you. Be blessed today. Have a great Sunday.